Coming to you in hypersonic ultra-maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes, it's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Featuring all of the people's names I wasn't paid enough to say in this intro. Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 154. It's Anthony Lewis and Glenn Bove here talking all that's happened in the last month in movies. Maybe we should change the name of this podcast to Cinema Monthly. What do you think? There, may, there actually may be a show out there with that name. So. Uh, it just kind of depends. Uh, you know, it depends on how we want to do the show. We, we, we want to do it where, like, if it's a so we, we talk about the movies we've seen. That's fine, but it's just... Uh, you know, we said this a couple of years ago, but it feels like all the big news we got all at one time. So it's like the big things that we will know in the future, like we know the answers to these already. Yeah. According to Google, by the way, there is no such thing as a cinema monthly podcast. So if we do need to change our name, uh, we're there. Just uh, buy that domain. No, I mean, so this is uh, sometimes this time of the year, there's just not a lot going on. In past years, there have been lots going on, but... Uh, we've only been getting like tiny little tidbits of news here and there and really not a lot to fill out a whole thing. And I haven't been seeing a lot of movies up until very recently. I've seen like a bunch. Uh, and there's there's enough stuff to talk about. And I guess also a fair point should be made that we were going to do this podcast uh, early, much earlier in the week, but I completely forgot about it. Oh, me too. So, yeah. It all works out. So we're... I, I, where our eye is on the ball for sure. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a bunch of new trailers that have come out recently, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the 89th annual Academy Awards. And we should actually probably also mention very quickly here the Razzies. I don't know if you looked at the Razzie winners for this year. Um, I was. Uh, I, I did. We we kind of talked about it. I don't know. I don't, well, I mean, you and I may have talked about it, but I don't think we uh, we. I know we haven't talked about it on this show because. Uh, we haven't done one in a month. So, uh, I think there was this thought that Batman v Superman was going to run away with all of the big Razzies, but it did not, thankfully. Uh, that's because Dinesh D'Souza came out with a documentary called Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democratic Party. And that won Worst Picture, it won Worst Actor, it won Worst Actress. Um, Kristen Wiig won Worst Actress in a Supporting Role for Zoolander 2. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg got Batman v Superman's first win as worst supporting actor for playing Lex Luthor uh, in an award I believe that is not deserved Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill won for worst screen combo uh, I really don't I really don't think that that's really where that belonged but okay um, Dinesh D'Souza won for worst director uh, I Part of me wants to ask... I mean, look, the Razzies are a joke. And they're not to be taken seriously. They're not supposed to be. It's not even a slight against them. I think everybody is well aware that they are self-aware. Uh, but should we be considering movies like this? Like Hillary's America? Should this count 
is like movies that get included for like worst movie of the year stuff like that like this just doesn't the, doesn't this sort of thing just amount to like a loose change like YouTube video that a guy just happened to get distribution for like does that really uh, count? the only problem I would have with that is if you're also not and which I mean not saying that they, they didn't have think we didn't get a movie like that this year but I feel like yeah. If if you're gonna nominate something like that, even if the movie is pure trash, mm-hmm. uh, you also need to be willing to look at the other side if you're going to go down that road politically. Yeah, uh, that would be my only thing. I mean, I I've, I haven't seen it. I don't plan to see it because it, it's just garbage. But mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't want to I don't. What's the thing South Park always says? If you don't if you don't take a stance, you can't get shit on. And that's the thing is, if you're gonna take a stance like this, then yeah, you can get shit on too. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna shit on everybody else, I just feel like I mean, it's not like it's not deserved. I mean, the guy no, 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 that's not yeah, ridiculous. What I'm saying, but yeah, 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 it's um, I don't know. Uh, worst prequel remake ripoff or sequel went to Batman. I, I mean, it'd be like if you made a movie about like environment stuff and how like i don't know maybe we need to kill off the beavers because they're pretty much just non-sentient beings of dust because of what they do to the environment like you know that kind of shit like whatever whatever would be the the really dumb left equivalency yeah yeah um so batman v superman won worst prequel remake ripoff or sequel which it also probably did not deserve especially in a year looking at it looking at one of them especially in a year in which independence day resurgence came out or Zoolander too, because I've heard it is garbage. Yeah, and this is from people who did not particularly like Batman v Superman. Uh, worst screenplay went to Batman v Superman. Okay, I, I can understand that. Um, yeah. The Barry L. Bumstead Award for the movie that lost a lot and cost a lot is a film called Misconduct, which cost $11 million to make and only made $15,150. Mm. Uh, what is this movie? Have you heard of that before? Misconduct? No, me. I've never heard of it. Who's in it? Uh, Misconduct is a 2016 drama film slash thriller. Uh, it's got 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, let's see who is in this picture. Um, Josh Dumel, appear- uh, Josh Dumel, Al Pacino, and Anthony Hopkins. Oh. Along with Malin Ackerman, Julia Stiles, and Alice Eve. Mm. Wow. I mean, so it's not like... I mean, if, look, if Josh Dumel is Oh, don't you lead, mean... Whoa! Whoa! If Josh Dumel is your lead, I mean, I don't know. But uh, supposedly... I'm guessing a lot of that $11 million comes from hiring like Al Pacino and Anthony Hopkins. Stuff like that. Three, three days on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Razzie Redeemer Award went to Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge, which is an excellent segue into talking about the 89th Academy Awards. Uh, so last year, Glenn, it was hashtags Oscar so white. Uh, this year it's hashtag Oscar so diverse, I guess. Uh, or... Yeah, sure. Well, look, they were so diverse, they even gave an Oscar to a really shitty movie. Because Suicide Squad won for Best Makeup. That movie is an Academy Award winning film now, Glenn. Well, I mean, I guess the makeup's fine. Yeah. I probably would not have been my pick. 
Look, I'm a. I would have given it to Star Trek. I mean, look, we all know my past, my association. <laughs> no, no, with I, this franchise. I know. I agree. That, that's where it probably should have gone with. And look, and, and the Killer Croc is that was all makeup and prosthetics. So you know, kudos to them. But the rest of this was just like caking on makeup on Harley Quinn and the Joker, and that's kind of like the rest of the makeup for the movie. And, and the thing is, is no one liked the look of the Joker either. No, no, nobody did. People like Harley Quinn a lot, though. Well, and, yeah. I mean, there there are certain reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, I know, for example, she was excited this year because Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them won an Oscar, I believe, for costume design. Yeah. I think. Uh, so happy La La Land did not win for costume design. As was pointed out in the Honest trailer for the Oscars, their costumes were clothes. Regular people clothes. So happy they didn't win for this. Um, that's not to say that uh, La La Land did not win awards. It most certainly did. Uh, oh, by the way, best visual effects went to The Jungle Book, a movie I have not yet seen. Would you say that that is a deserved win? Uh, I mean, I, yes and no. I mean, I probably would have picked Doctor Strange, maybe. Mm-hmm. I feel like visually that was a movie I hadn't seen before. Yeah. That would, that would, that would, that'd be really my only thing. Agreed. That I, that I would have had problems with, but no, I mean, it was, it's, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, the animals look cool, but I, I would, I would have picked Doctor Strange. Um, if it had anything to do with a musical award, La La Land won. Uh, so that goes for original score and original song. Damien Chazelle also won for best director. Uh, Manchester by the Feckin' Sea won for best original screenplay. Uh, but the the big stuff, all the actors and acting awards. Uh, Viola Davis won uh, best supporting actress. Uh, Marishala Ali won for Best Supporting Actor, which is awesome. He's had a great year, this dude. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. And well deserved. I mean, I haven't seen Moonlight, but, um, you know, well deserved. He's awesome. Uh, Zootopia won Best Animated Feature, which surprised me, actually. I really thought it would be like uh, they'd go with the less mainstream of the movies. I thought they'd go with, like, Kubo and the Two Strings. No, Disney always wins them. Yeah. I guess I should have realized. I mean, that. and also Zootopia is about race, so yeah, also that was true. Gonna <laughs> also true. Crash uh, with animals, yeah, totally got it. Casey Affleck won Best Actor. Uh, Emma Stone won Best Actress, and uh, La La Land won Best Picture for about three minutes, and then Moonlight won it for real afterwards. Um, I have no real qualms with this. Uh, I've only seen a couple of the Best Picture nominated films I've, I've seen Arrival which was great had no chance of winning uh, and in fact I've, I'm told the only movie that may have had a lesser chance of winning was Hell or High Water uh, which I've also not seen but I heard was, was a lot of fun uh, and a good movie uh, I saw that and that was great Hacksaw Ridge was really really good and I can even look past like some of the war movie tropes that Mel Gibson threw into this movie. Cause I thought the way, the way it was playing that I wasn't going to see anything like that, but 
sure as shit, there's like a scene of Andrew Garfield carrying a dude on his back running while shit's exploding behind him and bullets are flying everywhere, never hitting anybody or anything, just looking really cool in the background. There is a scene where um, some... I think they're fighting in, like, Okinawa, so it would be Japanese soldiers, like, come out from, like, a, a, a hiding hole, and they throw uh, some grenades. And, like, Andrew Garfield, like, fucking Spider-Man, in, in legit slow motion, like, slaps a grenade out of midair and kicks another one away. Mm. Like, I don't think this... I'm Look, I, I don't know. I don't know this this man, the man he's playing in real life. But I'm thinking that that probably did not happen as it was portrayed in the film. Uh, no, he could have picked it up and tossed it like they do in Team Private Ryan. Yeah, uh, they normally don't go like, and like flying in the air. and. Oh, they did like the it. Zack Snyder slow down speed up? Yes. Yeah, he just... Maybe that explains why Mel Gibson might be doing Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's the tie-in. That's why. Which again, I'm like all for. Which is why not? Yeah, why not? Quickly before he burns his bridges again, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a couple of good Mel Gibson movies before he says something incredibly racist. And then, and then everybody's like, "Oh yeah, I remember why we don't like you." Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then he's shunned for a while longer. Uh, I said, but it was a good movie. Uh, I saw The Founder, which I don't think was nominated for any Oscars. No, no, it wasn't. But uh, Michael Keaton was excellent in it, and uh, he makes me never want to eat at McDonald's again because Ray <laughs> Kroc sounds like a giant douchebag. Yeah, he sounds like a just a big asshole. That Ray Kroc. I mean, he's dead now, so I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, his performance was was really good in that movie. And uh, I also saw La La Land. Uh, I watched it presuming that it was going to be winning Best Picture, and I'm like, well, I should probably see the Best Picture winner uh, this year. And watch La La Land. And uh, I will say this about La La Land, Glenn. I like the movie uh, a lot more than I was expecting, uh, considering how anti, uh, how anti-musical how anti I am. But um, one thing stuck out to me hugely about this movie. Brian Gosling uh, can't sing. <laughs> what? Uh, how dare you, sir? Uh, that song that he's... What's that? City of Stars. That yeah. song. Yeah. He's not that good. Emma Stone, however, is great. There's a reason she won this this award. I don't know if it was deserved or not. I can't speak to that. I mean, I don't but... know. I'll say that one scene where she's got that cell phone in her hand and no one's paying attention to her. And she's doing this great, amazing acting you gotta, I mean, Yeah, she's like having to balance a lot of things in that moment. I, I mean, take out all the singing. She is so magnetic and she's gorgeous but not in like the supermodel who turned actress kind of way um she's just charming and you know it seems it seems and it, it, i guess it helps that whenever you, you see her outside of movie settings she seems just like a a normal chill relaxed human being uh there's definitely there's definitely something about her she's ridiculously lovable and she was great in this movie um I did not think I was going to like Ryan Gosling at all, but by the time the movie was over, I was I warmed to him a bit more. But the thing that really sticks out to me about this movie is, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that this was billed as a musical, but they don't really do that much of like musicaling in it. Like there are maybe three big numbers in this like two hour movie, 
And then there's like a bunch of little scenes that I guess you could call musicals, but considering Ryan Gosling's character is like a, a jazz singer or is into jazz, like he's yeah. just playing music and they're singing songs together, like in a living room, but there's like no dance number or any ridiculousness. Like, I don't really consider those parts of the musical. That could happen in any movie that has jazz as one of its, like, subjects. Um, This may be controversial, Glenn. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has ever made this point. But after having watched that movie, I determined that this didn't need to be a musical. I, with the exception of maybe the bit they do at the end, where she comes into, like, his club and he does a song and they do kind of like this flash sideways of the life they could have led together, that sort of thing. Outside of that, I thought none of the other musical performances really served the story in any way, and that they were just there to be insert musical performance here. Um, and they were all well done and well sang and choreographed and all that and all that stuff, but I felt like you could have taken out all of the musical numbers and replaced them with like acting dialogue stuff, and this would have been an even better movie than it was. Because uh, I noticed they went for long periods of time without doing musical stuff at all. It was just people in scenes talking to one another. And I was fairly captivated by all of that. And I usually would get taken out of the story when they'd go in to do musical bits. Uh, especially since they'd go so long in between doing them. Uh, so I don't know if other people have made this suggestion. But I feel like this would have been fine if they didn't have any musical elements in it at all. Uh and then there's the one hang-up nitpick I have about this movie, uh, which is that their entire relationship seemed to completely fall apart because they had one argument that wasn't even all that heated. Which is a little weird. I know they had to move things along, but I think they had, like, one argument about things, and well, the their relationship is, fell apart. The subtext is, like, ambition's gonna get in the way of love. Yeah. And it wasn't so much that they really loved each other. They loved things about each other. Oh, but, and... But the other one could bring to the table for them, but not so much the person. Oh, and I would just like to point out, uh, reading about this movie, because uh, I read some criticisms as well, although some of the criticisms struck me as odd. Um, like, there were a lot of people, like movie critics, who thought that Ryan Gosling's character was this was playing this white savior character who is the only one who can save uh, the black person's music, which is jazz. Uh, and they're like, and then he succeeds in doing it, which I disagree with. Uh, I think it was John Legend. He makes a band. club. Doesn't mean he saves it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think it's because like he's in this band with John Legend, and it revitalizes jazz and makes it popular because he modernizes it with like dubstep or some shit. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is that they throw in there. Um, and I think that's what they're saying. Well, it wasn't like, the band already popular? Yeah, it was like John... And, and it's not even... He's just the fucking piano player keyboard guy. It's John Legend's band. Yeah. John Legend is the guy who brought it back, not not Ryan yeah. Gosling. Yeah. Gosling's just the dude in the back. He's the fucking Ringo Starr of that operation. Nobody's like Ringo Starr, like, revitalized, you know, British pop rock. Uh, it's like, he didn't start the invasion. No, it was like Lennon and McCartney. Come on. Uh, yeah, his, and, and then he just, and then he just started a club. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that was off of the fame from the band. That was it. Um, it was a good movie. 
better than I was expecting. But yeah, I I don't know if you feel the same. I don't know. How do you feel? Do you feel this had to be a musical? It just didn't strike me as like it needed to have those. Well, I don't think. I mean, you could probably. No movie needs to be a musical. Yeah. Uh, But no, what was funny is. So we watched La La Land. And then uh, the next weekend. Or no, a couple of days later, I guess. I I guess it would have been a week later. Uh, Robbie and I watched uh, Singing in the Rain because they had like a special screening yeah. um, at our movie theater. And uh, you could see where a lot of the things that La Land tries to do, um, because, you know, it is supposed to be like a throwback to the old musicals and the oh, big yeah, set yeah, pieces yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it just kind of felt like it didn't have the heart. Mm-hmm. Like you were say, I would say in general for me, like, I don't feel like a lot of times the music moves the plot. Um, I feel like Disney does a good job of that, but I don't ever really consider them musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of cheat because they're cartoons. Yep. I mean, you can cheat in a lot of ways because of cartoons. Oh yeah. But uh, no, I mean, it. But yeah, it was it was funny because like watching because like even in Singing in the Rain, there's probably like I don't know twenty minute stretch. There's no dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they have one song at the beginning, just a lot like La La Land, and then you don't have a dance number for a while. And because I even while watching La La Land, I was thinking, like, wow, we haven't had like them dance or anything or sing in, in quite some time. This is strange. Yeah. And uh, but but as the movie goes along, you have more of them. Like the frequency of the dancing and the singing happens more at the end of the movie versus at the beginning so i i don't know if that's a way of like them trying to ease you into it because they know some people are just like i always tell people like either you are in as far as them having a traffic jam and singing or you are not yep uh and like like if you watch that and you're like okay i can keep watching then you're probably okay yeah and if you can't then just it's okay uh but uh, no, I mean, I, I like La Land. There's a lot of, I mean, I I thought the ending was effective. I liked mm-hmm. the people. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't my favorite movie, I and mean, I haven't even seen. I mean, the only other Oscar ones I saw was Arrival. Yep. Manchester by the Sea. Uh, and I thought Casey Affleck was really great, Manchester by the Sea. But I I disagreed with some of the ways they were trying to handle things in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have talked about it before, but I thought Arrival was incredible. And it wasn't even so much that it was so that it's so good; it's so good given the genre that it's doing. Like that's agreed, yeah. Which I mean, we will probably talk about it later, but that's kind of like my thing with Logan. Like, yeah, it was a little too long, but like given given that it's a superhero movie, like it is a it it does break a lot of conventions and even Robbie who had never seen an X-Men movie up until Logan she didn't tell me that until the credits were starting for the movie uh she even really liked it so even even Logan like in a way works as a standalone the only thing is like yeah. you know it it's pretty easy to give a shit about Patrick Stewart so like, yep just seeing the other movies will kind of care make you care for him and and Wolverine a little bit more but yeah it was uh yeah, that's, that would be my thing with Arrival. It's just, it was genre. And to me, like, Denny Villeneuve, like, I'm going to have to force myself to watch and like Blade Runner because I want to I want to see all of the movies that he makes because he's yeah, a damn he's, good filmmaker. He's very good. Because he made my favorite movie in 20, like, Sicario. I mean, mm-hmm. I still think that it's a travesty that 
Mad Max didn't win because as a movie, like it is, it should not work on all the levels that it does. But yep. my personal favorite was Sicario. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to check, I've got to check out Sicario and Arrival. Had, had I watched it in 2016, would have been my number one movie of that year easily. And of like the Oscar movies that I watched, it was still my favorite uh, of all of them. It is the only one that I'm considering buying for the home collection. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. I agree uh, wholly. Well, but it's just actually, like, it's like the thing I talk like to me. Arrival, I start, I start, you start seeing the same backlash that I feel like something like Inception had, which yeah. was, oh, the oh, the ending's convoluted, blah blah blah. When is this happening? And again, it's like, look, it, it's a, it's it's just pretty wrapping paper. The, the movie is about communication, yep. and if you can't grasp that because you are way too focused on the plot versus the theme then like you're just getting uh, to me you're just getting in your own way it's just like inception it's about getting over loved ones that's what the movie is about them doing this mind heist thing like that it's just gift wrap it's in a pretty setting but yeah. that's not what the movie's about and i don't understand people like when it comes to some sci-fi stuff right they can't get past that like I always find it funny, like, everyone jerks off to Star Wars being about family, and it's like, well, some of this stuff's kind of stupid. But it's sure, like, oh, sure. no, fuck, oh, it's about family, it's relatable, we love it, blah, blah, blah. And then, but it's like, something like Arrival comes out, like, oh, the ending's convoluted, I don't know how we could have that conversation with her whenever they're doing this. And it's like, well, it's not what it's about, it's about communication, how we can relate to one another. And once we can't do that, then we are doomed. Well, and it's also because the way their, like, language works it works outside of the like how we perceive time so once you've mastered their language oh like especially you, english cuz english is linear english is super linear and theirs and theirs is not uh in fact they're saying lots and lots of things all at once in different tenses and uh yeah. it's it's you know but once you've mastered it so it's like she mastered their language and uh that allows her to be able to have this ability to like um to like understand things in a non-linear fashion which is why she like it's it's a really difficult thing to grasp but once you grasp the concept it does make a little bit more sense to you uh i i like i didn't have a problem like when that was happening i'm like oh now it all makes sense to me i wasn't more confused yeah, yeah. i was like oh this now everything is coming together i thought it made it even better she uh, him and her an shared a moment together that they mm-hmm. didn't know at the time or that she wasn't aware of at the time. No. Because she is still trying to adapt to this language. Yes. Uh, so we should move on to this news really quick because who knows, uh, this was posted a little while ago, and it's entirely possible that uh, while we're recording this right now, this news could change. But I think for right now, Matt Reeves is not is actually directing the next Batman God, movie. I hope so. Uh, because it was Ben Affleck was directing, and then maybe he's not, and then, well, he is, but, oh, wait, no, he's not. Well, we might get Matt Reeves. Well, Matt Reeves has said that maybe not, and we've heard that the talks might be breaking down, and now he's actually directing for now. Uh, I hope he does it. Please, please. If they get him, let him do whatever he wants to. Well, the word is that he is. Like, he's he's signed on. That's his. He is there to direct him and, and Ben and Affleck. you let him do tweets. what he wants to do. You give him a script, and you let him change it however he wants to, because Dawn of the Planet of the Apes does not get the credit. It is due. He's good. <laughs> yeah, he's he is very, good. 
I mean, even I mean, like yeah, yeah. You and I, you and I will die on that hill about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I, I believe you it's and so I are still Quentin Tarantino. You listen to Quentin Tarantino, he will say that's like one of his favorite movies this this century is because of the themes that it handles, and it's about monkeys. <laughs> it's about m- CG monkeys. Like, and look, you and I have both have been saying like forever that Andy Serkis needs to at least be nominated for Best Actor. And it's never going to happen, but it's no. ri- it's ridiculous that it's... No, that they're it's just going to bring him out every year in the Oscars, whenever they get to the visual effects, they're going to have him talk about how great it is, yeah. and all this other stuff, and they're never going to actually recognize him as an actor. Yeah. Performance um, artist. Uh, in video game news, Glenn, it's a great time to be a video game fan if you care, Apparently. About, if you care about really highly rated video games, because <laughs> in the span of like uh, a month... There has been three games that have come out with ridiculously high scores, and I've I I I haven't I hadn't heard of the first one, which was uh, Neo, I think it's called, or Nio, perhaps. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Um, I've heard some of the kids talking about that. Um, but, and to be perfectly honest, that was getting, that got really good reviews, but it wasn't the kind of reviews that Guerrilla Games Horizon Zero Dawn has been getting, uh, which is a game I have not been able to put down. I've had to force myself to Is it like an RPG or? It is. Is that a story? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's an open world RPG, um, you know, so it's go to places talk to people, get quests, get side quests. You run into people on the road in between places. You get more side quests. It's crafting, it's gathering of items and building weapons and uh, tactical fighting of enemies and things like that. And a game that's uh, gorgeous looking. I mean, it's just a beautiful world they've put together. And so far, the story is really compelling. Aurora and I were gushing about it just the other day of like, because uh, we're about at the same point in the game, and there are uh, a bunch of questions raised that you know we're just super curious about, and can't wait to find out what happens at the end of the game, uh, that sort of stuff. It basically just starts with this little girl who wants to find out who her mother is and why she was abandoned as a baby, and the quest kind of you know expands uh, uh, outwardly from there, uh, and uh, and that's. Uh, pretty amazing. So if you've got a PS4, because I believe it's exclusive, uh, it's it might be worth buying the system just for the game because it's really good. It's uh, it's not as high on the Metacritic scale as some of the other games, but I, I usually look at the... Um, or as the next game I was going to mention anyway. The next game I'm going to mention is higher Metacritic rating. Uh, but I tend to look at the stingier reviewing sites uh, for games like this, especially when I'm hearing a lot of hype. And you usually tend to get the the nitpicky reviews to find like every little detail that's wrong with them. Places like Giant Bomb or Polygon or stuff like that. And Polygon gave Horizon Zero Dawn a nine five nine point five out of ten, and uh, I think Giant Bomb gave it a five out of five. So uh, yeah, that uh, that game is great. And we'll see. And, you. Hopefully, South Park is good too. You'll you'll just keep that trend going. Indeed. Well, uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out because the Switch came out. 
and uh, Polygon gave that one a ten. It's, in fact, that's got it's got a lot of perfect scores. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, it's got an incredible amount. Uh, I have a lot of friends saying, who've been playing it, and they all love it. Yeah, people are saying it's incredible, like the best, uh, the best Zelda game at least in a long time. But some people are saying maybe ever. Uh, and that it too is an open world game, and uh, <laughs> if. If there were other things coming out for the Switch that would get me excited to Smash get Bros. One. I mean, I'm not a Smash Brothers guy, so what? Really? What? Yeah, it's not. That's not my type of game. So I. Oh, Smash Brothers is awesome. I don't really. Yeah, but the only reason why I ever buy anything Nintendo is to play that fucking game. Yeah, like I'm. I'm almost all completely like story driven. A lot in my games, like uh, I'll get the occasional sports title or something like that. But I'm really big into. Um, narrative-driven games and oh, stuff. Oh, it's a so. great party game. Well, that's true, but I, I don't know anybody who plays games in that manner. You gotta uh, have better friends, man. I know. Well, I, I do. I have I have, I have have really good friends in the Cinema Geekly family. You guys all just live really far away. That's true. We do. We can't good. get together for parties to play <laughs> games. Uh, and it would seem like an awful waste of money for me to go to Texas or for you to come to Michigan to play Smash Brothers. So, oh, uh, no. Just move here. <laughs> uh well I, I don't know maybe maybe that that's kind of loaded hey no state say, income tax man that's true that's true um so a shitload of trailers let's talk about those uh the first one that came out uh a, a good full-length look at alien covenant um did you uh do you have any strong feelings about this i i i noted here when i when i posted it on the on the facebook page that um, I feel like if you enjoyed Prometheus, then you'll probably totally be a million percent in on this because uh, I felt like a lot of the tone and aesthetics from Prometheus are being carried over, and obviously, like at least one major character or two is also being uh, carried over. So they're not completely forgetting about that movie that's a, a sequel, but they're just well. Isn't it like when they land on the planet, all the stuff that's planted, it's because of David. It is because of David. Like he's the only life form on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And they and this crew seems to have their own David as well. So, um, but yeah, what, what did you uh, what did you make of the trailer? How does it look into you? Yeah, I agree with you on that. And it also kind of feels like they're trying it. It's trying to be alien and aliens. Like it looks mm-hmm. like really action heavy, but they're trying yeah. to do like it feels like. In, within the ship itself, they're trying to make it claustrophobic. Yep. Did you see the... Uh... Which is, if it works, man, that's great, because those are two uh, very good uh That's when Alien works the movies. best. Movies, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you did you see the... Uh, it's like a four or five minute clip they put up on YouTube as well of like... No, I didn't uh, watch the Last Supper thing. The It's actually pretty good. No, um, I just didn't get around to it. And I'm sure like when I watch the movie and I, you know trash it and say it's terrible i'm gonna to be told oh you need to look at all the ad campaigns that they had yeah, yeah, yeah. besides you need the to movie watch, you need to have watched the viral videos yeah. uh the, the weird thing is i wonder if this is an actual representation of how the characters are going to act in the movie because it felt like a fairly it felt like a fairly natural like scene like the way everybody was interacting and talking to one another it to me it didn't feel like it felt less like actors performing their lines and more like 
them improving on set or something and just goofing around as like actors or crewmates or something, uh, which was weird because it was obviously fully produced, so it wasn't that. So I'm wondering if like that's part of the movie and that's just part of the interaction because they felt like very humany normally to me, I guess, which I guess is what you kind of want to go for. But I'm sort of I'm sort of used to this coding that we put on actors and movies. Um, like well, this, I mean, that's kind of how the first Alien movie is. I mean, they're just yeah grunts on a ship, regular guys. Yep, yeah. that's what the, that's totally what bunch this of felt Tom like. Hanks every man. That's what they were. <laughs> yeah, they're just. Uh, I mean, I guess it stuck out to me because Danny McBride is in this, and he was like I mean, the new Helmer for uh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that that as well. But he was. You know, if you've seen him in Eastbound and Down, he's like he plays a very similar character every time you see him. Like Eastbound and Down, a Tropic Thunder, or This Is the End. Like he's very I much love him like in Tropic Thunder. Oh, oh my the, god, the beginning the part is the best. Oh, with the with the when the pyro goes off. Yeah, and he's like orchestrating it. Oh, also, yeah, that's right. uh, I got the blue balls over here. Also, uh, Danny McBride talking about hanging out with Nick Nolte for three weeks is also incredible. They like went snorkeling <laughs> a lot and that kind oh my of God. stuff. Yeah, it's really funny. That could be turned into a movie. Um, I know. Yeah, Danny he, McBride he just... and Nick Nolte. This is the end part two. But yeah, this is just like <laughs> this is just like Danny McBride, but on a on a spaceship. Like he's very much still the same character. So I guess that kind of helps a little bit. He's got this. Just a sort of like loose, like it, it never feels like what he's saying is dialogue. It always feels like Danny McBride makes up his own lines and then says them. Like that's how it, that's how it, he always feels. Yeah, to me, but so. but it also he doesn't ever feel out of place. No, no, that either. Yeah, it's gotta be the fact that like he's kind of like in a way, and I hate this term because it's not correct, but like mm. a renaissance man, like he's kind of like but he's yeah. got like that southern charm to him. I know what you're saying, yeah. Like he's really uh, non-threatening which is why like it's really funny in something like Pineapple Express and that kind of deal. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways he's he, he is maybe under underrated or undervalued. He reminds me a lot of like John C. Riley. Yeah. Like John, uh, well, except I mean, for John C. Riley and King Kong, where he yeah. doesn't, I don't think he's in the same movie, but like early John no. C. Riley when he did like dramatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a new trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Boo! Which, oh, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. That's a joke. Uh, in which we, uh, we see a little bit more, lots of, uh, lots of expanding on scenes we've seen in a couple of the other trailers. Uh, there's uh, one big reveal. We see uh, Kurt Russell telling Peter that he's his father. Of course, they make no reference to the fact that he's just the human embodiment of a living planet. Uh, I guess uh, that's going to be left as a a spoiler for people who don't keep up on such news. Otherwise, everybody knows that that's kind of been out for a really long time. That's stuff they talked about at Comic-Con this year, but... Uh, a good trailer. They they don't make bad trailers for these movies. They're all they're all really fun trailers, and we once again got another really fun trailer. So, any anything else to add to that, Glenn? No, it was good. I like this trailer better than the first one. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, and, and they you get a you get a little bit more scope of uh, 
the the size of the group this time. And that beautiful, beautiful Kurt Russell hair. Oh my goodness, right? You know what I'm really surprised about? Because, you know, Stallone's in the movie. I'm surprised that they haven't showed him. I mean, I know he's like, he's like, like a, some grunt. He's like a but... no, yeah, he's like a Novacore guy or something, I think. So I'm kind of surprised, like, they, he's... Oh, no, all... no, 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 he's a, he's a Ravager. Yeah, I'm just surprised right, he yeah. hasn't, like, they don't put his name on the poster. But if you <laughs> see, like, in the credits, it's with Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. So I'm just kind of surprised that they haven't added him to the marketing campaign yet, because it's not like people don't know he's in the movie. I wonder if he is in, like, he's not in a lot of scenes in the scenes he are. Well, I mean, it says with, so I'm assuming he's not in it that much. Right. Uh, and it's possible that the scenes here, like, that he's in might be, cre- like, a, like, a, like a critical or a key scene or something. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that they don't want to show any footage of. Uh, is Don C. Riley in it again? Because I don't remember seeing him in anything. Hmm. I don't know. Let me let me go look real quick. Why don't instead, Glenn? Why don't you enlighten us about your thoughts on the newest trailer, which is a first full length look at Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales? Uh, I'm just glad that a lot of the trailer was Jeffrey Rush, and uh, looks like him and Silver are going to be in the movie together a lot. Or I hope so, because that's going to be great as far as when they chew up the scenery. I said Silva, then I used his character from Skyfall. <laughs> I'm surprised that's the first time I've done that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, did I say Anderson Silva? Because that's an MMA wrestler. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. He's an yeah. MMA guy. Uh, sorry, I was trying to talk fast because you, cause you're typing. Uh, no, uh, like, yeah, you had said, I think in the post, like, if it wasn't for Jack Sparrow, like, this might be a fun movie, but it just seems like a lot of it's going to be forced with him. I mean, I did chuckle at the end of it where he is trying to tell him to like shut up so she'll take off more clothes. Like that—that that was pretty funny. Like that was a, that's a good use of Jack Sparrow, you know, just being sleazy like that. Um, but it's weird. If this is supposed to be like the end of Pirates of the Caribbean that they're like introducing yet again another new young couple to try and replace Swan and uh, Davy Jones. Replacement. This is weird. Because Orlando Bloom is in this movie as well. Yeah. I don't know why they just didn't get Kira Knightley. I mean, maybe they couldn't. Maybe she's like, I'm staying the fuck away from this. Yeah, yeah I don't she's know. She's doing what this more story is. prestigious work like uh, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Is that what she's been up to? No, I mean, well, she was in that last Jack Ryan movie a couple years yeah. ago. I mean, I don't know what else she's up to, to be perfectly no, honest. I, By the way, yeah. to answer your question, John C. Riley is not in the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, even though Glenn Close is as Nova Prime. Oh, okay. And it should also be noted that Sylvester Stallone is listed here in the cast, but he is one of uh, there are uh, there is nobody else in the cast on IMDb that doesn't have a name next to their character. Sylvester Stallone does not have a name next to his char- next to his uh, he doesn't have a character name next to his credit here, uh, which also has me wondering if maybe he is playing some other like a character that maybe. Uh, they don't want spoiled because Judge everybody Dredd. else. Oh. oh, oh my god! Wouldn't that be in- that would be incredible? Uh, oh I mean, I wish god. it was Carl Urban, but that'd still be really funny. <laughs> you betrayed the law. We need that. We need that in Guardians of the Galaxy. Him and Nova Prime. They used to be married. Him and Glenn Close, and they've they've since gone their way because she doesn't respect the rule of law. Or if, or if he's like a ravager, but he's like the truck driver version of it, 
and he just sits there and works <laughs> out that one arm and does arm wrestling competitions. <laughs> oh man, with a backwards hat on. Yeah, we could. We could. He's got a kid. I don't know how much more over the top we could take these Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Glenn. Look, I don't know. If you got Stallone, <laughs> you got to use him, man. Yeah. Just like if you get Nick Cage, like you just you got to use the Nick Cage. Oh my God! How have they not put Nick Cage in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Well, isn't Jeff Goldblum in Thor? Yeah, Goldblum is in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, he's the. You gotta, you gotta get Cage in one of these. The not, not like one of the grounded Marvel movies, like the the space ones for sure. Um, he could be in Doctor Strange. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how. I mean, I, I don't aesthetically, it probably wouldn't work, but fuck it, why not? Yeah, perhaps have him. Be uh, you don't, you don't need. Yeah, Benedict you don't need Cumberbatch to do it again. Yeah, paid you twice. Have, you don't have to play every role. Or the joke um, that Stanley Kubrick made about Peter Sellers: we got one actor for the price of four. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is my my take on this Pirates of the Caribbean trailer was fairly dead on when I thought this would be a really fun movie if you take out Jack Sparrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, look. I'm well, gonna I mean, see it because I've seen the other ones. Yeah, well, I mean, I just... I at put the very least, the, they're pretty to look at. Yeah. I mean, and look, I, I put in here at the end that I'm holding out hope that they're maybe going to do something with the Jack Sparrow character, especially if this is supposed to be well, the Well, they're end. making him look young. They do that. Well, yeah, there's definitely a young Jack Sparrow in here for sure. Uh, but what I'm curious about is, you know, will they actually do something with this character? Will, will something happen, change, evolve, anything, something? Because it has been the same character for four movies with very little change whatsoever, and you know, as, like this is like as a result why like I'm on the Barbosa fan club. Like he's like the best character in all of those movies. To me now. He is. Oh yeah. Because I mean, his scene his of doing a wedding around a whirlpool is it's incredible that's pure joy. Like while helming a ship and like shooting at people and and people are fighting on the deck of the ship as they are being married by. He's, oh, he's having great. so much goddamn fun, yeah. uh, you know. And you know Johnny Depp's thing is—it's you know—it's whatever it is. But at least like stuff like the Barbosa I would say character—that's for me. He's Johnny done Depp things. is is the Groot, where <laughs> to where I I view Barbosa as the Drax. Like he to me, ah. Drax is the one that like steals all the stuff. That he is the one I enjoy the most. But for whatever reason, all the, I mean, yes, I know the reason, but all the masses, <laughs> they, we, they, they all go to, to Groot and baby Groot. Yeah. I mean, look, I love Groot, too. In fact, I don't even know. Again, if I, like, I don't Jack mind Sparrow Jack Sparrow, but again, like he's kind of the, the one propped up. But that's yeah. not to me. That's not the fun one. I think for me, though, that comparison doesn't work because we've really only had I mean, we're about to have two movies with Groot in it. But at least one movie was with a big Groot, and this one's going to be with a tiny Groot. Well, no, baby I just Groot. mean, like, in popularity. We've had this... Right, right. Oh, right, right, right. It's we've had, like, marketing. We've had the same exact Jack Sparrow for four movies, with no change whatsoever. Uh, and I feel like if we'd just gotten the same old Groot stuff with the same Groot shenanigans every single movie, that would probably start wearing thin on people as well. But... Um, even Groot seemed to have some sort of character development. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, Sparrow he's never ignoring the plans and just going through yes. with it early. Uh, I don't know. We, breaking we out of see. a prison or throwing a bomb down a tunnel that he can only fit through. 
Uh, would you like to give your thoughts on Logan, other than the fact that you've already mentioned that it was about two and a half, or not two and a half hours too long, about maybe a half hour too long? Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, I, it really just... Uh, any big surprises in it, other than, obviously, you were telling me about an ending that maybe we shouldn't spoil so soon after the film's release? Yeah, I mean, I will say... I mean, I can't... The things I really liked about it, I can't say without spoiling it, so... Okay. What would you say, what would you say performance-wise? Like, how did the movie... How did, how did I thought everybody was you? really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, about the, the kid, what about the young lady? I thought the kid X-23. was good. Yeah? Um, she doesn't have to do a whole lot until, like, towards the end, but, I mean, she's fine. But I think, uh, like, Hugh Jackman's really... Like, him, anytime, which is a good chunk of the movie... Uh, anytime him and Patrick Stewart are together is great. And even like Steven Merchant as the albino, like those three do a really good job playing off of each other. Uh, and Boyd Holbrook, which I, I need to watch Narcos cause I think he's the good guy in that. But, uh, and he's a, he's a good bad guy in this. Cause it's funny. Cause like he throws all the grunts out to do all the work and he's like afraid to fight these people, these mutants. So he's, He's cowardly, which again makes you like want to hate him more for how weaselly he is. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I really liked it. And even just like people, like when they go to the farmhouse and that kind of stuff, like it's just there's a lot of characters that you just you really like and, and dislike it, and, you know, and the fact that they're horrible people. But yeah, you know, it was uh, it was good. It was really really good. Uh, Mangold is the guy who also did the uh, the, Wolver- the, la- the Wolverine. Would you say this is an improvement? Yeah, this is definitely an improvement. I really, to me, I feel like this one was the, the studio been... because of how good Deadpool was. <clears throat> I feel like as they were shooting this, they're like, you know what? Let's let them have it. Let, this is it. Do what you want with Let's it. Let them do this. And they, I mean, they really do go to certain places. I mean, like the the biggest compliment I can give the movie, especially Hugh Jackman, is. He does a lot to me watching it that the same kind of feelings I have when I watch a Rocky movie, mm-hmm. which we've kind of touched on a little bit. But, like, I love Rocky. Like, Rocky is one of my favorite characters just because I can re- – I just feel like Stallone and as that person is – you can really empathize with them. For whatever reason, I don't know. Just, it just Rocky always just gets to me. So, like in Creed, where you kind of have that moment of, of oh shit, he's good. This is this is it. He's gonna go. Like I feel like Hugh Jackman does a lot of you know kind of tugs at those same heartstrings in this movie uh, when when those moments come up in it because he's just a man deteriorating. I mean, he's not the. It's not the Wolverine you see, and I think they do a really good job of using the comics as like kind of a. You know, oh, the you know, some of this happened. Most of it's a farce, and it's just like you know, people really fucking die. Like I, don't, I just think they do a really good job of, of of having Hugh Jackman just show that pain that he's gone through. I mean, he really is just a haggard old man by the end of the movie who has just seen some shit, who has had way too many people die uh, around him. But yeah, no, it's uh, if if this is the it, if this is it, this is his last one. Like I, I really think it. It, it was a good movie. I mean, it wasn't was it perfect. No, it wasn't the best thing. But I feel like what we're talking about with Arrival or, or even something like The Dark Knight, like, I feel like there's genre-defying, it's a genre-defying movie. Like, it just, 
whereas Marvel with Iron Man and that kind of stuff just perfected it. You know, it's just like something like the Winter Soldier. Like it just it did something different within the genre that it's in, and I, I yep. really can appreciate that. So does this uh, is uh, is this uh, uh, the early lead for your favorite film of twenty seventeen? No, no, oh God, no, three God, months no. in. No, is that still John Wick two? Oh, John Wick two is great, and I uh, this is probably third because I thoroughly enjoyed Lego Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Lego Batman is. Might be my second favorite Batman movie. Zach <laughs> um, right, Galifianakis might be like he's definitely he's definitely my third favorite Joker for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting like he was the the Lego Joker. Yeah, it's uh, they, it, does it, he even do a Joker voice in that movie? Not really. I mean, you can tell it's him, but you know, he yeah, yeah. it's just. Uh, the way they handle material it's really tongue-in-cheek it's a great satire but like they do a really good job of of bringing to light some of the psychological issues and in a, in a fun kid way but like there's i mean there's real soul searching that needs to be done within you know people and and i think they do a really good job of having bruce wayne come to grips with who and what he is like it's underneath all the sugar like it's you know, there's some protein and things that the body needs. Ah. <laughs> it's the food pyramid of films. Yeah, it was. It's good though. I really like it. But yeah, no, Logan was good too. It just, it was. It's about thirty minutes too long. There's, there, they could have cut out some parts. Yeah, I, I, I was stunned when you told me it was two and a half hours. But I think it's actually two fifteen. But oh, okay, okay. Uh, I, like I said, it really to me, it didn't feel that long. Like watching it, but um. Like at the end, you're like, oh, I think we could have trimmed down as far as him finding the tracking the kids down. Like I would say, the third act, like some of it could, I think you could have trimmed some of the some of the beats. There were a little unnecessary setups. Like I've, some of the some of the setups were like for big dumb dumb people who need to be hand fed certain stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. Now we're going to the part where this thing happens. Well, it's like, okay. So Please keep an eye out. So you're like, okay, for instance, so you see a drone. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. they find out where the kids are, and then it's like the kids are going to escape, and the drones are going to, obviously, it's like, oh, someone's watching them. But then they do another scene after that where Logan wakes up, all the kids are gone, and he's looking through these binoculars, and he sees the drones falling where the kids are going. And it's kind of like, I don't, you didn't really need that. Like, I don't right. think you need the whole, like, in Phantom Menace, like, if you know, you see the scouter go out, mm-hmm. it'd be like if you saw the scouter go out, but then also had to find the character, see the scouter as it went out. Like, it was just like, yeah, a, you, don't you don't need, need to, to do, do that. that. Yeah. You can just presume that the scouter found him the person. being worried that the yeah. kids are gone, I think, for me, is enough of a reason for him to want to go find him. I mean, you can, I mean, they show, like, the trucks go by, but, like, having to see him follow where the drones are going and then seeing the trucks go down the road, like... I don't think you need the drones. You just need the trucks. Because to me, the drones is like, oh, we know where they're. They know where they are. Like that's that to me is enough. Uh, so what would you give Logan if we were gonna if we we're gonna grade uh, this? Oh, oh, uh, a, a solid four out of five. That's not too bad. Oh, it's really good. That's a recommendation. Everybody. I mean, I will say like the performances in it are really good, and I mean Patrick Stewart, man, he. Uh, Whew, it's good. It, it's really tough to watch at first. 
Given what you see, what you always have seen him as, Professor X, like it's tough to just see a man. Pretty much, he's just spouting off lines, and because he essentially he has like he's kind of developing dementia and he has seizures and that kind of stuff. So it's like that sounds horrible. The leader, you see, the leader of the X Men, like have to be treated like a child. Yeah, and. You know, and then of course the Wolverine's getting older, and he's got all these cuts and these scars, and he's not healing as quick, and he's got to wear readers to, to, you know, these little cheater glasses to be able to see things on his phone, and he's forgetting sure. how to read. Like they just do a really good job of like these people that have been built up of these heroes, and just kind of bringing them down to a low. Deconstruct them a little and, bit, and, yeah. yeah, and seeing how they can fare like not at their peak. Like it's just. That sounds- that sounds fascinating. Actually, it's, it so. is a, it's it's a good movie. It's not perfect. There's definitely some issues with it, but I feel like I I feel like the the script in itself, like I didn't, I probably have to watch it again. Um, but it uh, I didn't really notice a whole lot of plot holes. I mean, of course, there's gonna be plot holes because it's a fucking superhero movie. There's gonna be some bullshit science that's gonna make you be like, whoa, whoa that's gonna happen. But uh, no, I mean, all in all, it's. I thought it was great. I mean, it as far as being the best X Men movie, maybe I don't know. I love X two, like X two. I just think it's great. So I would definitely say this is definitely the best. It might X-Men be the best reviewed one. X two. Yeah, maybe the best reviewed one. Uh, Logan is currently trending at ninety three percent on the Tomato Meter with two hundred and thirty one reviews. Uh, with the consensus reading that Hugh Jackman makes the most of his final outing as Wolverine with a gritty, nuanced performance in a violent but surprisingly thoughtful superhero action film that defies genre conventions. Also, you can, uh, in this movie, uh, things you and I have joked about, uh, you could really see where a Last of Us movie could borrow a lot of things from this. (laughs) (laughs) It really, really would work as a Last of Us movie. Guy gets stuck with kid that he doesn't want who he's yep. supposed to be a father figure too that he's not the father of like it it there's a lot of similar things with last of us in this that uh if they made a movie man it could be really powerful and the little girl is tough as nails yeah sort of thing yep. yeah let's make that happen i really want a last of us movie but we'll see hey look uh, if we only ever get the you if we only ever get the games <laughs> i mean if we only ever get the games that, I mean, that gaming experience was just as good as a movie for me. Yeah, yeah, no, so, it was. I, I may, we may be getting to a point where I don't need movies to be made from my favorite video game franchises for well, me they to don't further work, enjoy so them. So. It doesn't matter. Agreed. Um, all right, well, that's it for the uh, the podcast this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the Cinema Geekly podcast and all of the other shows that we do. Of course, you can find us on iTunes and Google Play Music. Just search for cinema geekly and hit subscribe and of course for everything else we talked about this day we uh have some social medias for you to look at facebook twitter google plus instagram all at cinema geekly and of course you can contact us if the need arises cinema geekly at gmail.com i think we should be doing more shows uh, very soon because a lot of big movies are coming out in rapid succession. I mean, I'll uh, definitely be on uh, the following has been approved. We approve it uh, in a couple. Of oh, weeks. for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I better be getting an invitation for that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jacqueline Jillian, you hear that? Yeah. The gauntlet has been laid down. Uh, so yeah, and you'll be able to hear that as well if you're subscribed to the the main Cinema Geekly feed uh, as well. That that also shows up on there. So check that out as well. All right. So for Glenn Beauvais, I'm Anthony Lewis. We will be back sooner, hopefully rather than later, with another Cinema Geekly podcast. <laughs> We'll be right